So, anyhow, we go back to this one. Amen. So, we was talking about John's epistles and the value, and God's going to always open our understanding. The Bible says the more we seek him, the more we find him. You know, and the David writing there in the book of uh, Psalms 119, the psalmist says, you know, Lord, you give me understanding of thy law, and I will observe it with my whole heart. You make me to go in the way of thy commandments, for therein do thy servant delight. You know, he, he just is like he's begging God to, God, just show me what I need to do. Open up to me, and I'm going to observe, and I'm going to keep that and do it. You know, when you read Psalms 51 after David's repentance for his wrong with Bathsheba and the things, he seems like he wants to know God more intimately than anything else. And he wants to draw close. David seems to realize just how good God truly is. And when you read those Psalms, I mean, it just begins to open our understanding. And John, you know, through the Bible, it tells us that he was so close to Jesus. He was always leaning on Jesus' bosom. He was always seemed to be right there next to him. And when you're close to Jesus, he, you know, you, you it's hard to miss stuff when you're close to somebody. You know, yeah, that's why couples are supposed to be close to each other and stuff. And so you don't miss stuff, you know, and so it's important that we hang out together. Now, John here, as we, we was studying these epistles, you know, he starts out with, with chapter one and he begins to tell us that which was from the beginning, you know, the word of God. Amen. He says, man, we've heard it. We've seen it. We've handled it. Amen. And, and he says, and so now I want to write to you, he says, because I want you to what? He says, I want you to have fellowship with us because our fellowship now is with the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, and I want your joy to be full. He, he says, I want you to be excited and realize everything that God has come to give us and to bring to us. Then in the second chapter, he, he's trying to help us to understand the value and the importance of abiding in Christ. Stay in it. Don't let it go. Whatever you got to do, abide in it. You, you see that throughout this epistle over and over. Beloved, abide in Christ. If you abide in Christ, if you abide, if you abide, abide. And, and you see that constantly. Through John's writing, even if you go back into the uh, uh, gospel, he, he's he's trying to show us how to build that relationship with God. You know, he uses in the gospel, he, he'll give us a story of, of things that Jesus did to build our faith and trust and confidence in God. And at the end of his chapter in, in uh, John chapter 20, he says, these things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ and that believing you might have eternal life. It, it's like he wants you to just grab a hold of this thing because it's so rich and valuable in us. And then in the third chapter, as we have started to, to unfold, he tells us that the, there's two things that will test us for our sonship and our fellowship in God. And one is fellowship with one another in Christ and the love. 
And, and as this theme throughout the whole New Testament, once the New Testament church starts, if you watch the epistles, no matter who's writing, whether John, whether Paul, whether Peter, whether James, whether Jude, whoever's writing in the New Testament, if you follow their, their themes, you, you will notice they have certain talking points that is all about Jesus, is all about righteousness, is all about fellowship and joy and love. Because the early church, if you remember, it started out with continuing in fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. They continue in the doctrine. They continue in the fellowship. They continue in the breaking of bread and prayer. All that was fellowship, about love, and all about Jesus. And so as long as we continue in this, as Paul would later write to Timothy, you will save yourself and everyone else that hears it from you. And so... John is trying to get us to see why I believe he was so close to Jesus, why he leaned so close to him. Because when you get close to the master, man, he will just unfold so much stuff to you. As Paul says, I have not seen and ear have not heard and neither have it entered into the hearts of men the things which God has prepared for them to what? Love him. But he says he's revealed it to us. By his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. And that's what we've got to get to is the deep things of God. You know, precept upon precept, line upon line, here little, there little. God don't want you to just keep eating manna. He wants you to start eating some meat. You know, he wants you to get your bones fat and marrow in your in your bones. He wants you to be able to know so that you can stand firm against all the wiles of the enemy and of the devil. And so we're going to pick up here again in John chapter 3 and start with verse 7. John says, starts out here, verse 7, verse John 3, 7. Verse John chapter 3, verse 7. He says, little children, he, he starts out with these, you know, if you notice, he has a lot of terms of endearment that he used. Little children, you know, let no man deceive you. See, he reaches back and he, and he, and he gets a piece of Jesus' teachings back in the book of Matthew. Remember, Jesus says in Matthew 24, 7, he says, let no man deceive you. Take heed that no man deceive you. See, Jesus says many is going to come in the last days and I'm a Christ and they're going to deceive many. You know, there'll be all kinds of things happening and people are going to be deceived in the last days. So John is, is still hitting the same course. You see this in Paul's writing. You see it in Peter's writing. Take heed, you know. And so we have to be on the alert constantly that anything that's going to lead us from the truth of God's word and the doctrine. Say, we, we have to be aware of this. He says, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous even as he is righteous. So, so notice John hit us with character here, right in the middle of the kick. You know, build your character. Learn to do right. Add to your faith virtue. Learn to do what is right because God is a God of righteousness. If you were to go back and look at Psalms, I think is 1434, it says that righteousness exalted at the nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. 
See, so we have to realize here, godliness will make a great people. Holiness will make great people. But sin, he says, is a shame to anyone. See, we, we have to realize the danger and the nastiness and the foolishness of sin. It's only for a season. See, it looks pleasing. It looks pleasant. And that's where a lot of people are deceived. See, Satan is going to show you the hook. You, How many of you go fishing with a naked hook? You put a worm or some kind of bait on it to cover it. You know, that's what Satan does with sin. He covers it over, see, so that you are slowly drawn to it. You know, you just don't sin, get deep into sin overnight one time. It's usually a process that you nipple and touch it here and touch it there or whatever. You know, that's how you get hooked. The drug dealer don't get hooked on the first snort of cocaine. You know, he snorts the line and he... Gets in him, but usually he's going to have to go back five, six, seven times for him to get hooked. You know, and once he gets hooked, what happens? He can't stop. It's more, more, more. It's the same way with alcoholism. You don't get, you don't get a, become an alcoholic of one drink. You know, it's the more you do, the more you do. That's how sin gets you. Same way with pornography and anything else. It don't hook you the first time. It you just, when you keep going back and doing it over and over and over and over again, that's when you get hooked in things. Okay. So this is what John is trying to say. Don't, don't be deceived. Say, stay in Christ. Stay in the Lord. You know, he that doeth righteousness is right, even as he's right. There's so many scriptures about being righteous, and we're going to touch into this in a moment. He that committed sin is of the devil. Notice, for the devil did what? He sinned from the beginning. You remember, if you go back and you read Isaiah 14, I think it starts somewhere around about verse 12, when Satan began to exalt himself. You know, he says, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to build up my king. I'm going to be higher than God and all that, and what does the scripture says? How have thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? You know, she was beat down, brought down to hell. You know, you you can't exalt yourself. That's pride. You know? that's, that's being prideful, and we see that when we get in uh, Proverbs six sixteen, it says the first thing God hates is what pride. So we have to realize that. So John is trying to to warn us here that he that committed sin is of the devil, for the devil sinned it from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he should destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. Notice the word has got to remain in you. Remember, abide in Christ. In the beginning was the Word. 
Abide in Christ. If you allow Christ to abide in you, if you allow Jesus to stay in you and in his rightful place in your life, you're not going to sin. You remember what Saul told Samuel when Samuel asked him, what in the world have you done? You weren't supposed to be sacrificed. What do you say? I forced myself. That's what happened when we have Christ in us and we are led by the Spirit of God and we're walking in the Spirit of God. If you sin, you force yourself. Because the Spirit is going to warn you, no, 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 no. That's not of the Father. That's not right. Don't do that. So you force yourself. And the consequence, look at what happened to Saul. He lost the kingdom. And the Bible tells us these things are written for our example, for our learning, that we don't do the same thing. That's why Paul says, let him take heed if you think you stand. He says, let in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, 12 and 13, he says, let him that think he stand take heed lest he fall. He said, there's no temptation that is taking you, but such is common to man. He says, God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above that which you was able to be tempted, but he will make a way of escape. The Spirit will always quicken you. No. That's God says, get out. Leave it. Don't touch it. Leave it alone. He's making a way of escape by the Holy Ghost, by the Spirit. So John says, we got to abide in him. Because, see, he came to destroy Satan. He come to destroy sin, to get it out of our lives. And so if his seed is in you, the word is going to grow. Remember, if we keep the word in us, you remember when Jesus was talking in Luke 8, that the sower went forth to sow seed, some of it fell on good ground. And if you stay in Christ, it's going to grow. It's going to manifest. The word of God in you is going to grow. It's going to, it's going to come up. It's going to produce a harvest. Some 30, some 60, some a hundredfold. So stay in Christ. And this, the children of God is manifested and the children of the devil. Whosoever doth not righteousness is not of God. Neither he that loveth not his brother. See, and at the end last week, I said the two tests. Uh, sonship is fellowship, and the other is love. See, in righteousness, righteousness, I meant righteousness and, and uh, love are the two tests of our sonship. Of this shall all men know you are my disciples. You have love one to another, John 13, 34. You know, and the greatest commandments is I shall love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy mind, with all thy soul, and thy strength. We are God, little children, and greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So John is trying to lead us. He tells us, okay, if you are God's, you do right. If you're the devil, you do wrong. That's a pretty good indication right there. You know? So this is why Paul, I believe, tells us to keep on the whole breastplate of righteousness. Because in the natural, the heart is in the center of our chest. So if we are having been taught to place the breastplate of righteousness over our heart, notice what will happen. It will guard our heart from all 
filthiness of the flesh and spirit. See, it will keep us. The helmet of salvation where the mind is, it will protect our mind. It will keep us in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon him. See, so, so we don't want to be the children of the devil, so got to do right. And it's not hard to do right. You can't look and say, well, they are doing wrong. No, that's not what the scripture says. I don't care what they're doing. It's, it's, it's on me. See, it's not on you. It's on me to do right as his child. So I have to settle this in my mind and in my heart that I have to do what is right. Not, I don't care how many other people is doing wrong. That's why, you remember we read the scripture, I think it was last week in, in Ezekiel 14. God said, nor Daniel and Job, you know, was in there. He said, they can't save nobody but themselves by their righteousness. See, so I can't save anybody else. Only thing I can do is live my life right and pray that someone sees it and decide that, hey, I want to live like that too, you know, to, to do what is right. But I can't save anyone. I'm just called to let my light shine that men will see my, their, my, my good works and glorify my Father, which is in heaven. See, so that, that, it falls back into my sandbox. See, I have to live according to the Word of God, not what somebody else is doing. Uh, so John is trying to help us here because he wants us to, to be the children of God. Amen. So no matter what, they're trying to get us to see. Here, so these tests that God loves us, and this is manifested, the children of God and, and the children of devil. Now, now notice what Paul writes to the church in uh, Philippians chapter 2. Let's go back and look at it. I know we've looked at this before. You know, chapter chapter 2. Let's look down. Um, right, let's start with, with verse 1. If there be any consolation of the Spirit in Christ... If there be any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, any bowels of mercies, fulfill you my joy that you be like-minded. Having the same love, being in one accord and one mind. Notice the, the, the same. Notice it says, be the same. Be the same. Be in one. Keep one. Remember then day of Pentecost, they was all in one accord in one place and Suddenly there came a heaven, a mighty Russian wind. So he says, you know, be the same. Be the same as who? Right. Amen. Verse 3. Let nothing be done through strife and vainglory, but in lowliness of mind. Esteem others better than yourself. Get humble. Be Stay humble. Because he that humbled himself, Peter said, will be exalted. You know, Solomon would tell us that before honor is what? Humility. Say, we are not going to be honored by God if we don't walk humbly. Say, walk humbly towards them that were without, the Bible tells us. Redeeming the time, or walk circumspectly, redeeming the time because the days are evil. See, so we want to keep that humble mind because humility comes with the spirit. It's called meekness. That's why when you look at the Beatitudes, Jesus says what? Blessed are the meek for what? 
You're going to get the earth. You're going to inherit the earth. Think about it. See, we we got to stay humble. We want to walk humbly. Next verse. Let every man not look on his own things, but look on the things of others. Be concerned with other people. (coughs) Be concerned about them. Pray for them. Help them when you can help them. Share with them when you can share with them. You know, look on other people's. Don't just become selfish. This scripture talks about right here is don't be selfish. Don't ever forget where you came from. That's because you got some money, you got a nice car, you got a nice home, whatever. Don't ever forget where you came from. Because if you do, you let pride get in. And as a result, it can take you down. You know, I can remember when I got promoted to Sergeant Major, the Chiefs groups that we were part of on Kadena, all three nines on Kadena. We had the Navy, Air Force, Marines, Army, Coast Guard. We had what we call the Chiefs group. And when you got inducted into the Chiefs group, that was one of the mottos they always says to us. Don't ever forget where you came from. It's because you're at the top. Don't you ever forget that you was down there. Always go back and help the next person lower to come up. Don't ever forget it. Abraham Lincoln even says, when you reach the top, turn back around and help somebody else up. See, and that's what we got to remember. And that's what Paul is saying. Isn't that amazing? All this stuff, they get it from the scriptures. I tell people all the time, you can't take the Bible out of the world. It's always there. The principles are still going to be there. So Paul says, look on other people. Help other people up. You know? I think James even admonishes us in verse in James one twenty five. He says, "Pure religion before God the Father is this: to visit the widows and order orphanages, and keep yourself unspotted from the world." Right? Now go to verse five, Second Philippians two five. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. And made of himself no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant. And being found in the likeness of men, and in fashion of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God has highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, things in heaven, and things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Verse 12. Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. See, why? Verse 13. For it is God which worketh in you both to live and to do his good pleasure. 
It's all about God. Let this mind be in you. The same mind that is in God. Let it be in you. Let it stay in you. That's why John says we abide in him and he abide in us. We can ask anything we want and he'll do it. We've got to let Christ be in us. Let the word of God be manifest in you. Amen. You're the light of the world. You're a city that sit on the hill. You cannot be hidden, John says. Be right. Do right. Live right. Love one another. Look out for one another. Care for one another. Pray for one another. All these things. The same mind. The same concept. Hang tight in there. Amen. Praise God. The righteousness of God. Adam and Eve, we know, did what? They sinned. They did wrong, didn't they? And look at the consequences. It wasn't long because they're wrong. Who did it affect? Their son, the next generation, the next generation, all the way down. See? So we have to learn to do what is right. Notice what Genesis 4, 6 through 7 talks about Abel and Cain, Cain here. We know that Cain did what? He killed his brother Abel, right? You know, he, he killed his brother Abel. And notice what the Bible says in, in, in Genesis 4, 67. And the Lord says to the king, why art thou wroth? And why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shall thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. You know, he says, if you don't do right, sin is going to be right there waiting. Satan's going to be waiting for you. That's all you tell people all the time. You don't love God, the devil will take you back every time. <laughs> you know, so notice, sin is going to be there waiting for you to do wrong, because that's what Satan is. He's, he's just waiting. But notice what it says at the end of that verse. It should not have control over you. See, you're supposed to have control over it. And you do that by doing right. That's why Paul, right into the church at Romans in chapter 6, he says the same thing. He says, sin should not have dominion over you. you, Because you, you was brought with the price. See, that's why when you look at that whole chapter of Romans 6, that's what Paul is trying to say from the onset. Notice what he said. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abide? He said, God forbid, no way. He says, you're dead to that. So all they're doing is they're reaching back into the Old Testament and pulling forth things so that we will have a clearer understanding what God was speaking about and what he was talking about. See, and that's what Paul is coming from. So the Lord says, Cain, he says, look, Cain, if you do what is right, you'll be accepted. But if not, sin is going to wax you, man. He's going to take you out. He says, you're not supposed to let sin have dominion over you. You're supposed to have dominion over it. Because greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. Jesus said in Luke ten nineteen, I give you power. To tread over serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the devil, enemy, and nothing by any means shall hurt you. So we have to, to have this. Amen. The commandment and the law was for righteous living. 
That's why Jesus did not come to destroy the law. He says, I did not come to destroy the law. I come to fulfill it. In other words, I came to give you clarity and bring it to your understanding so that you will know exactly what it meant. Yes, the old ceremonial law of bringing in sheep and goats and all those things. Yeah, we know that Jesus fulfilled all that. But the moral part of the law, he came to give us clear understanding of it. That's why when they asked him questions about marriage, he gave them an answer. From the beginning, he says, this is what it was supposed to be. You know, he explained to them. You know, every time they would ask him questions about things from the Old Testament, he would give them an understanding, say, so that they would know what they should do. That's why Nicodemus came to him at night. He says, we know you're a teacher come from God because nobody can do these things you do. Jesus said, well, you got to be born again. And that's why it's so essential that we are born again, that we repent of our sins, that we are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, filled with the Holy Ghost with the initial signs of speaking in other tongues as the Spirit of God give the utterance. That's why the Bible tells us in Ephesians 4 to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There's one Lord. There's one faith. There's one baptism. There's one God, Father of all, above all, through all, and in y'all. And we exalt brethren everywhere to not let your own views destroy the body of Christ. Set yourself aside and study and focus on God. Let this mind be in you. There's only one God, and we're in him. Amen. So we've got to stay in this thing. So Jesus came in in Luke 24. He says, uh, verse 44 through 47 here, and he said unto them, Luke chapter 24, verse 44 through 47, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which was written in the law of Moses, of the Pentateuch, and in the prophets, and the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding, that they might understand the Scriptures. Notice, he brought understanding, and he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer, and to raise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name amongst all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. That's why the psalmist said, Lord, open thou my eyes, that I may behold the wonders out of thy law. Because that's where all the righteousness and things were laid out for them to do. The law was laid out, you know, Back there in the Pentateuch of how they should operate and what they should do to keep right. That's what it was all about, to teach them to do what was right. Okay? And you notice what happened every time somebody did wrong. They, they, they says that, you know, they found the guy out getting sticks, right? You remember that story? And they said, what was she going to do to him? What did God say? Stone him. He's, he's violating yeah, he will, you know. And when the kid, when the, in the next story, you find 
and curse another kid. What did God say about him? Stone him. You know, these are lessons. See, he was trying to teach them to do what was right. To love one another. See, so those things are written for our learning. To obey God's word. See, he wants us to be right. Why? Because he's right. He's a righteous God. And see, and we got to learn how to be what, do what is right. If not, we're not his. We're the devil's. That's why Jesus says in the book of Revelation, see that no man steal your crown. It's tight. <laughs> Amen. So he, he gave them understanding. You know, it's, it's amazing, you know, that after they got it, they stuck with it. And they turned their world upside down. See? They knew he would be with them always. Something better was for them. Hebrews 10, 9 through 11, 10. Then said he, Lo, I come in to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first day, he may establish the second, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. See? You're sanctified. You're justified by the name of the Lord and by the Spirit of our God. Aren't you glad? Amen. He come to do the will of the Father. You know, and last week we saw in Psalms 15, it, it talks about who should dwell in his holy hills, who should dwell in his holy place. And we see it's all about righteousness. When you read Psalms 15, it's all about righteousness. And so these, these are some of the measuring sticks here that, that God uses to make us his son. Amen. Now let's look at, first, oh, wow, time is snipping right away from me here. Amen. So John is 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 helping us here uh, as well. Love is manifested in itself in sacrifice, not in word only. Amen. Verse sixteen here. Amen. Paul writing again to the church at Corinth in the twelfth chapter, twenty-seven to thirty-first verse. He says, "Now you are the body of Christ, and members in particular." God have set some in the church, first apostles, secondly prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, government, diversities of tongues, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, have all the gift of healings, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret. Notice this last portion. But covered what? The best. Gift. Notice, he's talking in the 12th chapter about the gifts of the Spirit, you know, wisdom, knowledge, understanding, discernment, faith, healings, you know, prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues. And, and then he gets to the last portion of the ch- chapter. He says, but covet earnestly the best gifts. And yet show I you a more, what? Excellent faith. What is that more excellent way? Yeah. 
James tells us in James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, in whom there's no variableness, neither shadows of turning. See, so Paul says, look, he says, desire the best gifts. And he says, I want to show you a more excellent way. Then he takes us into the third chapter, and he starts talking about love. Say, because they knew that love is the test of sonship. Say, though you got everything, though you speak in tongues with men and angels and have not love, it don't copy you anything. You're just making noise. See, he's trying to get us to see you got to do right. See, is what he's trying to help us understand here. Listen at the New Living Translation in 1 Corinthians 13 real quick. Let me read it. I'm coming from the New Living Translation. I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others. I would only be a noisy gong or a clinging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possession and possess all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor, even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love, verse 4, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. And it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, nor lose faith. It's always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Prophecies and, tongue, and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. Now our, now our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now we see through things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. But when I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely, three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Notice. Amen. He takes us right back to that sonship. Remember I told you, no matter who's writing, Peter, James, Paul, John, Jude, whoever's writing in the New Testament, 
they have talking points that they are bringing out, amen, to keep us on track and invited in God as his sons. And righteousness and love, you're going to find it over and over. They're pounding it constantly. Do right. Love God. Abide in God. Keep the fellowship one with another. Stay in the doctrine. Amen. Hold fast to the things of God. You'll see it constantly over and over and over again. Amen. Because that's what we want to be is his children. Amen. Praise God. God is good all the time. Amen. God bless you. Let's take a break. Amen. Thank you, Jesus.